Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And I've got all the gentlemen with me today. Guys, you want to say hi? Yeah, Rob Spexter, Pastor of Discipleship. Kevin Kenora, Pastoral Assistant. Alex Tate, Sacred City Director. All right. Well, Rob, this is uh, kind of your topic today. So you want to introduce it? Yeah, uh, I do. And it comes off of our recent series on origins. And I was confessing or professing, I don't know which one the right word would be, is that as we were going through it, there were times when I was really having to kind of uh, fight discouragement, maybe hopelessness uh, in the in the mix of it. And a lot of it came when, as we were thinking about what God ha- how God had created uh, our world and what his aim and desire was for it, in comparison to our current cultural moment, it felt so far distant. And seemingly, as I'm thinking about our cultural moment, it seems like there is a disp- disproportionate um, voice that is anti-Christ and is loud and seemingly powerful that when you're hearing it day to day and living in it, it seems like there is no hope for us, that we are living in a culture that is judged and is going to be judged. And it doesn't seem like, well, what do you do? What do you do in that kind of cultural moment, which I find ourselves in? And so I guess I'm asking the question, where do we get hope when, when the, when a, situations seem dire. So I think this is really relevant, not just relevant generally in terms of the cultural moment, but I think it's relative when when an individual or a family is personally going through a time or a difficulty that seems like it, it's this bad. There, there is no hope. You can't see any hope on the horizon for a, a success, for fruitfulness. Um, or here's give me give you another one is, is when you've been praying and praying and praying and God is silent. Um, so the question is, how, what are we to do? What are we to do in those moments or in the moment, the cultural moment that we are, we are living in? That's a great question. First off, um, I think it kind of, it begins with, the answer to the question begins with acknowledging where you're at, you know, so looking in the darkness or, or being aware that you're in a dark season. Yeah. So we, we are in, in our country, we are in an incredibly dark mm-hmm. season. And when it, by, by darkness, I mean the light of the gospel, the, the impact of the gospel in our culture has been um, weakened, dimmed, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying the light has gone out because there's still gospel preaching churches and we're not being locked up. Right, and right. so there's still gospel proclamation happening. And, and obviously the Bible says that we are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Like we are the light of the world. So there's, so think, of, but, but think about, I'm just going to go 70 years ago, 75% of American people went to church. Right. Mm. So think of how many churches there were. Think of how many people that that's just a whole lot more light, right? As less and less people go to church, as there's less churches to go to, as less of them preach the gospel, 
the culture is going to get darker. Mm -hmm. And we mean spiritually, we mean with, so as you are darkened spiritually, you're going to be darkened intellectually, you're going to be darkened morally, mm. right? There's, there's a lot of implications that flow out of a lack of spiritual light. Right. Uh, John, the Gospel of John, talks about Jesus being the life and light of men, mm -hmm. that life and light go together. If there is no light, there is no life, right? right. There's nothing, nothing can, be, nothing can uh, be given life if there is no light yep. on this planet. And so as things get spiritually darker, death begins to reign. And of course, we see that in our own society. So there are, so, I mean, there's, there, there is, so we are in a really a dark season. Mm -hmm. We have to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Some people don't want to admit it because maybe they're still being, they're financially prosperous or they're infatuated with technology and the, the cool gadgets that we're making now and we can play with. But we have to acknowledge we are in a really dark, mm -hmm. dark spot. Yeah, and I, I was, and I think about it in this in this terms of, of it feels like we're living out Romans one, mm -hmm. where God just the judgment is on our us as a nation, um, maybe Western culture, and He seems to be giving us over to in a sense what we want, and what we want is sinful, and as a result of giving us over to that, we become are becoming more dark, as you're using, I'll use your word, a dark, a darkening time. And as a Christian, when you're in that culture, you're, you're getting swept up in that. So even though we may be, we may be sitting and saying, yes, we know the truth. God's given us the truth. And we're trying to, you know, we're, we're, we're speaking that truth. It is, it, we're getting swept. It's, it, we're getting swept into that. And so my, I keep asking the question is what, what do I do when I'm being swept up in a culture that is being judged, I mean, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing a culture that's being judged. God's just giving us over to our our own base minds and our dark minds, and we're getting swept into it. So, how does a Christian, you know, kind of respond, you know, respond in that? So that's kind of the that's the thing I've been wrestling with as, as I was wrestling with as we were going through as we were going through the origin series because it just feels like the voice that is out there culturally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is so uh, loud and powerful and as a result then you know people just assume this is where it's going and this yeah. is good even mm -hmm. you know yeah well i would even say it's it hasn't we've been really since covid we've been we've been pointing a finger at the darkness um, we've been waking up to mm -hmm. the darkness. So we've done, we went through Ezra and Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. That's those, both of those series were, what do you do when the light goes out? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do when the light goes out on a civilization? And we saw, mm. uh, Ezra return to build the temple and they start with right, the right, right worship of God. Right. right? And, and they build the church. And then you see Nehemiah come back and start rebuilding the city. Mm -hmm. And so we've learned that obviously the, the worship of God is primary and then you got to work, you got to build Christian families, you got to build Christian civilizations. You, you, that's, that's what God's calling us to do right. is to um, reform and always be reforming. We've went through the after darkness light, post tenebrae lux, mm -hmm. after darkness light. And so for the past couple of years, we've been drawing attention to, yep, the light's going out in our culture. 
And so we better be prepared to handle the darkness because it's going to get morally dark, intellectually dark. Mm -hmm. We're going to lose freedoms because freedoms come from the light. Freedoms come from the knowledge of the gospel and the freedom that Christ gives. So yeah, we've been preparing ourselves, but so there's, but what I hear you asking is how does a person keep their own hope? How do they keep encouraged? Right. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so because um, this isn't just a, a cultural question in terms of the culture that I'm living in. We know that in each of our lives, in each of our families' lives, there are, there are times when just dark, difficult, mm. seemingly no answer moments come into our lives. And how do we keep pressing on in the face face of that? So I think we can all probably think of families or individuals who are going through a dark season right now, and they're, they, you know, you have no answer for them. You have no, oh, if you do this, or, you know, you have no solution. It seems like, wow, what they're experiencing is just, it's just taking over. And so, yeah, I think that, I think you're right. I think it's, how do as how does an individual keep on pressing forward when and perhaps when they've been battling a long time and and they're getting fatigued and mm. and, and tired yeah yeah well i would say of course i'm opening up an app right now so that's taking a little bit but i would say get out of here we i want to pull up john chapter 1 because it's what I'm preaching, and it's the first 18 verses. And it talks about Jesus being the life and the light of men. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> I think Jesus is a great example of a man who was... Uh, he is the example. <laughs> that was probably an understatement. Great example. He w it was the example. Here's a man who is following the will of God to the T. Mm. Here's a man who is... Uh, you know, spending time with with God and resting in God, and you know, getting his source of strength from God. Uh, here's here's a man who's obedient, and yet he has a culture that just ultimately rejects him. Yeah. And so you're seeing someone who is doing all the right things, but but it doesn't it doesn't come out with. Yeah, it doesn't pan out. Yeah. Well, it does pan out. It, yeah. It does pan out <laughs> does because pan out. he's he's exalted higher than anyone else mm -hmm. right now. He's in, he, in God gave him the name above all names, right? right. Philippians, Philippians 2. Sure. So, but listen to this. So what do you do when you're depressed? What do you do when the darkness seems like it's smothering you? What do you do when uh, you're really discouraged and this life doesn't seem to be going well? Um, let's just say your missional community's not growing, your family's in turmoil, your church isn't growing, um, it seems like the culture's winning, all mm -hmm. these different yes, things. Listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Obviously, this brings us back to Genesis 1. And John starts his gospel out with an absolute bomb. <laughs> he, he literally says, go back to, like, if you want to start, we're going to talk about Jesus, but in order to really talk about Jesus, you can't even start at the incarnation. Mm. You've got to go to the first time yeah. God spoke anything into existence because yeah. Jesus was there. Yeah. So right away, he's like, Jesus is God. That's, that's what he's saying. Jesus is God, and he's 
the word, and I'll get into that later, but he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And look, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right, we know no matter how dark a room gets, one match, Hmm. one light, one flicker, Mm -hmm. one spark, and the darkness flees from it, right? Right. But when he goes down, verse 9, he's the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. This is... The world was made through him, and yet he entered it somehow, okay? Mm. And yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the flesh, but the will of God. So here's the idea. Jesus is the light of the world. He is life. He comes into the world, and the darkness will not overcome him yep. and yet his own people did not receive him right and so that's what you're he was the light of the world he's in the world and yet his own you know it doesn't go well for him in this life let's just say that yeah. right the, yep. the darkness seems to snuff him out and yet obviously he rises from the dead and he is glorified and the darkness will never touch him and he think about what happened when he was glorified right on the Mount of Transfiguration. Right, right. Like they can't even look at his face. He's so yeah. bright, like, yeah. because yeah. he is the light. He is the light, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, we, we saw in Genesis 1 that the light happened before God made the sun. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Because, oh, yeah. because Jesus is there. Yeah. And he, yeah. he is the light <laughs> and the light of men. Yeah. So what I, the reason I'm, I'm hammering this right now is because the darkness is part and parcel of living in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. All through the Old Testament, you see the ebb and flow of light and darkness. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's moving towards the entrance of the divine Son of God into human history in the incarnation, where the light of God, the light of the world, is literally going to become flesh yeah. mm-hmm. and is going to allow the darkness to, to seemingly win, to snuff him out. And then he's going to put the darkness in its grave. He's going to put death in his grave, right? And he's going to rise, raise to new life. And we know in the new heavens and the new earth, we don't even need a sun. Right. Yep. We don't even need yes. a sun anymore. Yep. So, so, right. so the darkness has a real expiration date. Mm-hmm. And why do I say that? Because that should give us a hopeful eschatology. Mm-hmm. Eschatology, the study of last things. Mm-hmm. We know that just as Jesus went through this life and experienced darkness and, and some depression and some betrayal and some hurt and pain, and yet pushed through death into eternal glory, so too will we. Mm-hmm. And so we have to keep our mind on that eternal, that eternal weight of glory. We right. have to keep our mind on the fact that the, that the darkness will not win, Mm -hmm. that the light has entered the world and the darkness will not overcome it. Right. So that's, so that's good. Like when you, when you hear that, but what, like, what does it look like to have like some practical, um, I mean, it's good to have your mind set on Christ, um, where that, that hope and that light is. 
Um, but like you were saying before, maybe the, the kids aren't acting right. Maybe the family, maybe the boss, maybe whatever it is, what would that look like for them to still have that hope and living that out? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I think what we've established here is maybe a foundational reality, mm -hmm. truth, an idea or a, a truth um, that says, okay, this truth is what we need to keep our eyes upon or our hearts upon. And so then what do we do in terms of the working it out mm -hmm. day, day by day? Because the temptation is, I mean, there's several ways you can, you can respond to our cultural moment. You know, one is, you know, I, I see why there is this, there's this temptation to kind of want to create our own little Benedictine orders and kind of hunker down and create our little, little, uh, you know, places to, to live apart from the world just because it, you're getting so sick of the world. And yet that doesn't seem to be what Christ is calling us to. Um, so what are, I think that is a great question is what are the, you know, kind of what are what am I to to do in in light of this or in in face of this? And that's that's probably going to be indiv obviously, depending upon who you are individually. That's the only way you can answer the question. But generally, I, what are we to do? Yeah. Okay. I want to push back on that. Okay. Good. Yeah. Because I I don't think that's the right question, and I don't think that's what people need. I think when we get discouraged, it's most of the time not necessarily about what we're doing or not doing or what we need to do. It's a failure of imagination. Mm. Our imagination, when I say imagination, I mean, um, man, imagination is hard to define, especially on the, on the fly here, but... <laughs> It's a moral vision. Mm. It's something more than propositional truth. It is something like a story, something like art, mm -hmm. something that captures my thoughts, my loves, my desires. It's something deeper mm. that must that has a beauty or a glory or a weight to it that gives me hope in the moment. Yep. Okay. Now I'm going to share, I know you're going to as well, but, <laughs> but because I've, I'm kind of set this up here, there's this, uh, quote in, uh, in the Lord of the Rings. There's this Lord of the Rings is one of the best books when you're talking about things like this, because the progression of Lord of the Rings is from light into deepening, 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 deepening darkness, mm -hmm. and then the light conquering the darkness at the very end, okay? <clears throat> and then the rebuilding after that. But as you continue to read these books, it's just... It's just... It just gets darker and darker and darker, and they lose hope more and more and more hope. And so... Frodo and Sam, as they're taking the ring, they're by themselves, and by the time you get to the two towers, they've got behind enemy lines in Mordor. And one of the key features of Mordor is like, they've got this smoke and this fires that are always burning, and it just blots out the sun, and it's just this gray place. And it's just, yeah. it's just the yeah. enemy has done everything he can to blot out 
any natural light right. that, he, right. that he could possibly can. Right. And in this moment where things were really bleak and there was, it looked like, man, there's two little hobbits against all of Mordor. There's no way we're going to be able, the darkness is just too strong. Mm -hmm. And this is what it says. It says, there, peeping among the cloud rack above, a dark tor high up in the mountains, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart. And he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. Mm. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. Mm. Wow. So the idea is the smoke, the fog, the darkness, th practically, that, that's on think of it like this. That's only a few hundred feet up in the air. Right. If you can clear away that and just maybe just a shaft, mm -hmm. you can see the star. star. Yeah. And he's and he remembers that there's light and truth and high beauty that the enemy can never get to. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And God is the creator. Yes. Right. And then in the beginning was the word. Jesus Christ yes. is God. Jesus Christ is in absolute control. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ brought about his own death and resurrection and his glorification, his exaltation of the right hand of the Father, and Jesus Christ is going to bring about his, his second coming and the renewal of all things. And there's nothing that the darkness can do to stop that. Mm -hmm. So when, when we have a imagination that's captured by that high beauty, by that mm -hmm. light that's beyond the darkness, that the light that's, that the, the darkness cannot overcome it, right? When we're in the midst of it, we will find hope. Like we will look to it and find hope, mm -hmm. right? And so what are some of those shafts of light that we can see while we're walking this? One, the, they used to say, call this, this life and this veil of tears. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. This veil of tears. <laughs> the Puritans, I think, used to say that. It's in one of my prayer books that I read pretty often on, on a daily basis. Yeah. This, you know, the, in this veil of tears, yeah. right? What are some shafts of light mm. that, that we see? For me, like in this season, when I see somebody come to faith mm -hmm. at Sacred City, mm -hmm. when I see out of a guy who's been living for, you know, just completely in sin, following his own passions, and then all of a sudden, just, I don't, I'm going to come to church. I don't know why I'm here. Yeah. And then he gives his life to Christ. Right. Right? It's like the darkness cannot overcome it. Right. Yeah. Jesus Good. literally just chose him to save him. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is in absolute control. Mm -hmm. Right? That gives me encouragement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I would say probably as I think about those who are going through dark times when they will make a statement of, a sense of knowing that God is still in control, even though it seems like their world is out of control. And they'll come back and say, but I know that God is in control of these things. So there's, a, there's that peace that surpasses all comprehension that, that Paul talks about in Philippians, where you see that in a life who knows Christ, and you're looking at them going, what, well, what happened? You know, what, 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 what changed in your circumstances? And they look at you and go, nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed mm -hmm. in my circumstance. But God has enlivened 
that a truth about himself that has helped me to see it in a different perspective. So that would probably be another shaft of light mm-hmm. I've seen in the past that's very helpful, you know, when we're going through, when I'm going through a dark time. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, when you get down to it, um, discouragement, depression, these kinds of things, you can categorize it kind of like a spiritual psyops, right? Satan is running a, a propaganda campaign in a sense, right? Hmm. Where he's saying, God's not going to be faithful to you, right? Gosh, this world's going, man, I'm winning and, and God's losing. And so to give into that is to be, well, is, is not, in one sense, is not to be faithful, right? It's, it's the same as giving into a propaganda campaign in a traditional warfare. You're, you're being led away by that. And so one major shaft of light that I've seen and that's been helpful to me in the counseling room is look to your past, right? Past grace. What has God done? How has he shown faithfulness? Mm -hmm. Present grace. Even in this moment, despite how you feel, what is he doing? Holding all things together, sustaining you. And then use that to look towards the future, right? Look towards the promise of the fulfillment of the final consummation and glorification and in union with him. So these, these kinds of things, he has been faithful. He is being faithful. So there's no reason not to trust that he will be faithful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then again, along similar lines, we learned from Nehemiah, kind of the practical, how do you fight these things? When somebody's in that, that um, discouragement, the last thing they want to do is rise up and build, right? The last thing they want to do is fight. But Nehemiah, we see a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. So fighting intentionally, picking up your tools and doing what you're called to do, even when you don't necessarily feel like it, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. spiritual disciplines, they're still important and they still help. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. So those shafts of light, one of them, two years ago, if you would ask me, could Roe versus Roe mm-hmm. v. Wade be overturned? I'd be like, no, yeah. we don't have a chance. And here we are in the midst of the darkness and God just flips the script and overturns one of the most wicked and vile um, decisions ever given by the Supreme Court. That's a shaft of light. And Mm -hmm. we can say, God did that. Thank God. God, God's at work. God's doing that. Right. So we we talk about evidences of grace around here and we talk, we want to share them in every single missional community. We talk about them at every staff meeting. What, what we're doing is we're wanting to see the shafts of light. We're wanting to see the high beauty. We're wanting to see no matter how dark it is, God's still at work and Jesus is still on the throne. And therefore I need to be encouraged and yep. I need to say to my soul, soul will be encouraged. Right. Now, hmm. when I say it's a failure of imagination, here's, what I, here's another way to think about this. Imagine your life as a movie. Okay, and you are a character in the story, and everything is happening. Whatever is happening in your story, it's getting dark. You've lost your job. It's there's enemies all around the gates. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. What kind of movie do you want to watch? One that has some kind of good good ending that comes out of that. I would say a redemption, some kind of redemption. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. Maybe, but. How would you think about that movie if that person is depressed, is sad, puts his head in his pillow and rolls back over and goes back to sleep, mm. gives up? Right. 
gives in. Walk out. Walk but, out of that movie. <laughs> that's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. Feels sorry for himself. Right. Gosh dang it, nothing ever goes right for me. Yeah. I'm going to go home and, and whatever. Yeah. Mm. Like, and yet we become that character so often when mm-hmm. it gets dark. Yeah. The purpose of the darkness in the movie is for the light to break forth. The purpose of the darkness is for the character to have the character arc yes. of things were going well, things go really poorly. What's going to happen when it when the lights go out? Right. What's yeah. going to happen when the tragedy happens? What's going to happen when the devastation happens? Are is the is the character going to overcome? Is the character going to push through despite all odds? Mm-hmm. Is the character going to evolve and change and grow? And be better than he was in the beginning of the movie. Right. That's the, that's the darkness comes, and it's meant to be conquered. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be pushed through, right? Mm-hmm. And so much of our attitude would change if we had an imagination that saw our story like a story, like a movie, mm-hmm. like a book, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what character am I right now? Am I the sad mopey guy that gives up in the <laughs> middle of the thing? Right. Like that's a terrible movie that we all hate, and we don't like that guy. Yeah. You read, you watch that movie, and you're like, "What a turd! Yeah. Why is that guy doing that?" Yeah. Right? Do you think a lot of people do that because they have success that's a worldly success instead of a biblical success? No, because mm. a worldly success, you got to do it in a world. You got to do it. It's not the- always coming. I'm saying, like, if you if you look at. I'm going to keep striving through. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to keep striving through. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to keep striving through. I'm going to get that big promotion. I'm going to keep striving through. It may not happen. Yeah, it may not happen, but even worldly success has to go through this. Like you, you can't be worldly. You can't have success in the world without having a moral imagination that says when, so here's how the world does it. You're better than that. You're smarter than that. Mm-hmm. You're tougher than that. Nobody else is like you. Yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Show the world that you're better than everybody else. Yes. Okay? Now, that still works. I mean, yeah, eventually it wears you out. And eventually it will kill you, but it still works. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs was like that, you know, mm-hmm. until cancer got him, mm-hmm. right? Tim Cook is like that. Jeff Bezos is like that. Elon Musk is like that. Um, they have a insatiable drive to do more and to conquer, and no matter what Everybody says you can't, when people say you can't do it, Mm -hmm. these men go, I will show you, I will prove to you, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. That's a good desire. Every hero, every good character has something in them like that. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is that their drive is for personal success, okay? For some people, that's enough. Most people, it's just not enough. They don't desire personal success that much, okay? So you have to have a even higher beauty. Mm-hmm. You have a deep, you have to have a weightier glory. You have to have a, a more compelling moral vision, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's where Christ comes in, that Christ goes beyond our own personal fulfillment, beyond our own personal success, and goes to an eternal weight of glory. Yeah. That what we're that we are on the right side of history, literally, the right side of eternity, that Christ is building his kingdom right now, that mm-hmm. he's ruling and reigning, and he has a job for us to do. And, and not only a job for us to do, he has meticulously custom-designed every moment of our life. So every darkness has passed through his hand. Every difficulty 
has been given his stamp of approval. Okay, he has written the the the, the um, what do you call it the um, the story. He's written the story. Like every scene has been custom designed by him. So that means if you didn't get the job, it was God's will that you didn't get the job. And now what kind of character are you going to be in the midst of this? Are you going to be a mopey, sad character that Mm. complains and yells at God? Pull yourself out of the situation and ask yourself, do you want to watch that movie? Do you, do you like that character? Most of us would probably say, no, we don't like that character. We want a guy or a gal who takes the setback, who takes it on the chin, who gets knocked out. And then at the, when the, when, the, when the referee's counting out, at nine, that person still staggers back up. And we wonder, how is he going to do it? Yeah. Right? That is meant to be the Christian. We're meant to understand. Literally, everything in our life has been custom designed by God. The script. That's the word I was looking for. Hmm. That God has written the script yes. on our life. That means he's, been, he's determined our neighbors. He's determined <laughs> our job. He's determined our kids, our family, everything. And it's all a story. What, what type of character are you going to be? And so when things get really frustrating, I go to the Lord of the Rings. And why do I go to the Lord? And, uh, scripture, scripture as well. Yeah, right. But why do I go to the Lord of the Rings? I go to the Lord of the Rings. Well, one, it's the same all the time. Uh, <laughs> good wins. Yeah. Light overcomes darkness. Yeah. A couple of nobodies save the world. Right, and it's not even like their own moral strength and virtue and amazing powers that do it. It's just their dogged faith and determination to keep plotting, mm-hmm. to keep walk. They have, they have the audacity to wake up every day with barely enough food, mm-hmm. barely enough water, mm-hmm. very little hope, mm-hmm. and just keep walking toward Mordor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, and I was sharing earlier um, as I was. I had an opportunity last night to read also the Lord of the Rings, so I want to give my my Lord of the Ring uh, quote here as well. Um, it's an interesting part of the of the story. I'm I'm in the third book, so the Return of the King, and in that in that book, there's this description of this great battle that's happening before the, the this beautiful, wonderful city that has quite the quite the history, quite the quite the background. Um, Minas Tirith, I think is how we say that, and uh, they have won the battle. And if I would have written the book, the book would have been almost over. I mean, I, it would have been like, okay, now they're going to overtake, you know, overtake Mordor or whatever. But it doesn't end that way. And it's interesting what happens there because at, at that moment then there's a debate. And the debate is from some of the, the, the rulers who have come together. Gandalf is, is posing, well, what do we do now next? Because he points out the reality to them. Yeah, we won this battle, but the next battle is going to be 10 times worse. Yeah, so... In the book, they've had some major battles um, in the mines of Moria. Then they had an even bigger battle mm-hmm. at Helm's Deep. Right. Right. Yep. And then they went and conquered Isengard mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with the help of the, the Ents. And they've conquered that. And now we've, we, we're working our way. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's west. I can't remember. But we're, now we've worked our way to the City of White, the Minas Tirith. And it was a a major offensive from Sauron and his enemy that came out to kind of, to try to cut them off. And it was a very brutal battle that they, they barely won. They only won because of Gandalf, you know, the Gandalf, uh, basically helped them win that battle. But now the whole, it's called the whole, the whole hosts of Mordor 
are coming after them. Yes. So now the enemy is like putting together all of his troops and coming after him. And so they just had one after the other. They're barely hanging on, yeah. right? A lot of the, some, several of the heroes have been, have been killed, mm -hmm. right? Some of the, yep. and lots of people have been killed. And so that's now the whole host of Mordor. So it's just like one thing after another. Like as soon as you finish a battle, here comes another one and it's even worse. We barely lasted the last time. How in the world are we going to conquer this next one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So, and, and you know, think about that in terms of life. It, it, you know, you can feel that way at, at times in life. So he he says, other evils there are that may come. Then it's amazing. He says, for Sar Sauron is himself but a servant or emissary. And he keeps on going. Yet it is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the succor of those years wherein we are set. So he's really asking them to say, you can't worry about all the evil, all the evil in all time. The only evil you can really con concern yourself about is the one that's there set where you're in. So he says, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know. So it's those, those evils. So that those who live after may have a clean earth to till. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. Man. Yeah. <clears throat> so... What he's saying is, and this, so he has a, a, an understanding of providence. Providence is written all the way through the Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. that God is ultimately in control of all things. Mm -hmm. He's in, you know, there's a time, you know, Ecclesiastes, right? There's a time mm -hmm. under earth for all things, a time to live and a time to die, a time to fight, yeah. a time for peace, a time. And that understanding has shaped Lord of the Rings. And so you see this all throughout the writing. And so he's, what he's basically saying is, it's the evil is is in front of us. All we need to worry about is we have to fight it. Yeah. We don't know if we're going to win. We don't know if we're going to lose. Yeah. But there's evil. There's darkness, and we're the light. And the light must confront the darkness. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what's going to happen after this. But we know what our next step is. Our next step. We can't hide from the darkness. We can't run from the darkness. We must confront the darkness. Yes. So if we die, we die. Mm. Right, and mm -hmm. you see that over and over. You see Aragorn, uh, Aragorn, Aragorn say those things. You see, uh, lots of guys say like, "If we die, we die." Yeah, yeah. for death and glory. Yeah. you know <laughs> that's what King Theoden says when he rides out uh, for death and glory. Um, and, but I love the the the, the <laughs> hopeful eschatology. Well, we don't know the people that come after us what the ground is going to be like right. for them to till or whatever. Yeah. And so there is a there is like we're going to confront this darkness because we think that there's going to be people that live after us and we want the world to be a better place mm -hmm. right because yeah. of because good men did the did the thing did the right mm -hmm. thing yeah good men did the right thing yeah. and that's confronting the darkness mm -hmm. that's good yeah and I as I've been uh, in preparation for you preaching through John I read been reading through John and I find interesting with the gospel of John is that there is this some one sense there's an emphasis on numbers there just seems to be there's a, a great following, but as you continue to move through the gospel, it gets less and less and less until you're down to the 12. And then you get to the point where not even the 12. Jesus, but yet Jesus does not allow that to discourage him uh, to continue to fight the darkness, go to the cross. And even there, you think about, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is this moment on the cross where there is a place where he feels 
absolutely alone that even he doesn't hear the voice of his father at that mm. moment. Even though he's heard his voice of his father earlier, a week earlier about, uh, when he's at the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, but at that point, he hears nothing. And yet, he continues to push to, into the darkness. And of course, we know the, the story. The, the, you know, he dies. That's dark. <laughs> but then we have the victory that comes out the other side. And so we think of Hebrews 12, where, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And yeah. so I think this is what you're referring to is the joy set before him is Jesus is giving us his own sense of, uh, what'd you call it, eschatology? Um, uh, positive eschatology. Yeah, positive eschatology. You know, it's this idea that he knew where this was ending. It yeah. would, did require him to go through dark times. Mm-hmm. The darkest time. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So it says... Have this mind among yourselves, Philippians 2, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here we have the, let's combine what we read in John 1, the light of the world is snuffed out. Yeah. I, we can't get our mind around that. Yeah. Jesus right. is God who spoke everything into existence. He is the word of God. He spoke the sun into existence. He is the light and life of men. Mm-hmm. And he was snuffed out. That light went out. Yeah. He died. Like life itself died. died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But listen, so, so it's not wrong. And it is absolutely right to say the crucifixion, Good Friday, was the darkest day in history. Is it a coincidence that the sun was blotted out for that moment when Christ died? Yeah. No. The sun bowed its head to the sun. Yeah. Right? The sun paid homage to the light of the earth, mm. the light of wor- the world. Mm. Okay? So, the darkest day in human history. Now listen, verse 9. Therefore, because life died, because the light was snuffed out. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there's this this principle of after darkness, light, after suffering, Mm. glory. That's a part of... That's the way God made the world. That's what. That's the script that God wrote into the world. Yeah. And so for the Christian, they must have the, their imagination shaped by this. So if they're in the, the most depressing, darkest moment of their life, look for the shaft of glory. Look for the high beauty. Look for the more, have the moral imagination that sees after darkness, light, after death, resurrection, right? right? The, the worst could happen is if it is you die and you go to glory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's so good. we That's have good. to have that, but mo- much of the time, often, there's going to be, li- like you think this is going to be the end of you and mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah, yeah. right. 
I think, I think that's a good hope because, I mean, there's so many things that happen in life where um, it could be family, friends, whatever it is, um, job, boss, what, whatever it could be. Um, but those things don't crush you. They don't crumble you because you are always looking forward to that to that hope. And, and that's the good news that we should live by mm-hmm. where we can flourish and we can have that everlasting joy that we're all truly looking for. Yep. That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> so Philippians 2 goes on. Therefore, so because Jesus did this, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here it is. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted mm. generation. Wow, yeah, I've forgotten about that, that that comes up there. That's good. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, mm. That's good. All right. holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run or in vain or labor in vain. He, Paul says here, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, he means he's dying, mm-hmm. upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should all be glad and rejoice with me. Yeah, that's good. So here's the idea. If you have the, the correct, uh, if you have a Christian imagination, if you have the right moral vision that's shaped by Christ's life, death, resurrection, and glorification, that's going to shape the way that you live your life. And we wanted to jump right away to the practical, right? We wanted, what should I do? What should I do? Here's what he says. You have to have the moral imagination, but here's what he says. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, Mm -hmm. right? Paul's writing this from a prison cell. Mm -hmm. So Paul knows God wants me in prison. Jesus wants me in prison right here. Mm -hmm. Paul knows it's happened before. You know, maybe these prison guards need Jesus. Yeah. Maybe something, you know, like, I don't know why he's doing it, but I know what God's will for my life is and the darkness will not overcome light and I am light and I am in this dark place. And so I have hope for God's doing something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, is, what am I supposed to do right now? Not complain, mm-hmm. not grumble, yep. right? Not dispute, not argue with God. God, why am I here? Yeah. You are a light. Mm-hmm. That's like a light saying, why am I in the darkness? You're put there to light up the darkness. <laughs> right. Right? Right. So that's why you're there. You're there to shine. Now, what does it mean to shine? It means your children are watching. Yes. Your children are watching how you encounter the darkness, how you deal with discouragement, how you deal with frustration, how you deal with not getting your own way. Your children are watching, mm-hmm. right? Your neighbors are watching. Your friends are watching. Your family's watching. Right? That's why he says here, he even says, like, I'm watching. So he's like, even if I'm about to die, you know, like in the day of Christ, that I may be proud that I didn't run in my. So he's like, guys, don't fail now. Yep. Don't yeah. quit now. Yep. When Christ comes back, I want to be proud of you. <laughs> I, I don't want to be like, oh man, they, they gave up in the midst mm-hmm. of the darkness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this is helpful for me. This is helpful for me to say, I need a moral imagination of truth defeating the lie, of light defeating the darkness, of life defeating death. And that, I want that to be the story of my life, right? Mm -hmm. I want that to be the compelling vision that drives my life, that pulls me through dark seasons, pulls me through frustrations, pull me through loss, 
pull me through, you know, arguably the, the darkest season America maybe has ever seen. Yeah. Right? And when you have that compelling vision, like it said of Sam in The Lord of the Rings, that beauty smote his heart. Yeah. yeah. Right. And James even says, when you look back at it, call, count it all joy. Yeah. That's, the, that's good news right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... If I'm hearing you correctly, it's it's interesting. I think I'm safe to say this. If I'm hearing you correctly, is that when you were kind of pushing back on saying, I think you're asking the wrong question. What it seems, what I think you're saying is this, and I think I can say this, is that if I have that moral imagination, if I have an idea of of the where the, the beauty that God has in, in in this light, that that will reign, will reign in the end. It will inform me, if I have that, it'll inform me of what I need to do in that moment. So in other words, I probably don't need to be asking the question, what do I need to do, what do I need to do, as much as what do I need to remember mm. about what God, who God is and what he is, you know, what the end is, if you will, and the mm-hmm. beauty that he has. And mm-hmm. that will then instruct me to know how to, in the moment, respond. And so that's probably the bigger, bigger question, I think, would be that. Yeah, so... Having the moral imagination, having that Christian vision, and loving what God loves, right? Being right. so shaped by it. And what, what that basically does is a moral imagination <clears throat> teaches us what to love, and it turns us into virtuous people. Mm-hmm. And then virtue, virtue, is, virtue doesn't look for a list God never gives us a list right. uh, in every situation what you must do. Right. You become a certain type of person and then you just do the right thing. Right? Yep. And so yeah, that that's what I'm that's what I that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And and think of yourself. Man, this is why I, I think our imagination, the movies we watch, the books we read, is so important because like we don't have very many modern day heroes, virtuous heroes mm. to follow. Like the most popular t- TV show like of all time that has been the game of Thrones and, and game of Thrones. Um, I did read the first two books. I haven't watched the series or anything, but um, has no heroes. There's no morality. There's no heroes. Basically everyone is a bad guy. Everyone dies or not everyone, but mo- the people that you come to like, die, right? There is no moral virtue because there is no moral vision. Mm. It's just death and depravity and despair and, and might makes right. And whoever has the sword and whoever has the power gets, gets to rule and gets to do whatever he wants. And when Christians sit down and watch that trash, what is that doing to their imagination? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. When things get tough, what do you do? What does it teach you to do? Like, we have lost our moral imagination. I've been going back and watching a lot of Westerns lately because I've canceled all my subscriptions except for Amazon. And so I've been watching a lot of John Wayne Westerns and the John Wayne Western, it's a trope. It's a, it's a, but it's good guy, bad guy. Mm -hmm. Things get bad. Things look despondent, bad, good guy might die. Good guy's going to do the good thing no matter what. Half the time he dies, but he still doesn't saves the girl. And we say, good, he was a good man. He died, but we say, yeah, that's that. 
was meant to shape men into a certain fashion, into a certain way. It was give them a moral vision of the world and cause them to go act like that in real life. Mm -hmm. Show me those, show me those movies. Show me those stories. Right. Right. Like Marvel kind of, but it's so jokey and, and it's not really sacrifice and it's, it's just watered down, watered down and, and is replayed over and over and over. And most of the time now it's the women doing all the sacrificing and all the killing and all the laying down and beating bad guys. So I know people joke that I talk about Lord of the Rings all the time, but I just haven't found you, you find it through C.S. Lewis as well, but his, his writings for more a younger audience, but I just, I just haven't found anything better than, than Lord of the Rings. And so when I'm in a moment where the whole world seems to be crashing around me, I can go, what did Frodo do? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. What did Sam do? What did Sam do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, and I could talk for hours about it because these guys have almost no talent. And Tolkien is so, they can't shoot a bow. They can't wield the sword. Right. They can't, they're not strong. They're small. They're, they're not they're, Their stature is they're, really... They're tiny. They have like giant kids. feet. They look like little kids. Yep. They're just happy-go-lucky people that want to drink beer right. and just eat good food, right. like, multiple <laughs> times a day. Like, they're gardeners. Yeah. He took a gardener and turned him into the savior of all mankind, yeah. of all Middle Earth. Yeah. Why? Because they just wouldn't stop. Yeah. They wouldn't give up. They wouldn't lose hope. So, I think it's... And, and that book could have only been written by a Christian because a Christian has the moral vision, Mm. the Christian vision of the world, right? That the light has appeared in the world, his own people rejected him, but the darkness cannot overcome it. Yeah, that's good. All right, that helps. That's uh, very, very helpful. Um, I think it's helpful for us living in the culture that we're living in, but it's also helpful for just daily living because daily living is faced with a lot of Hopeless moments, and uh, and so yeah, appreciate that. So thank you, very good. Cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, if you got any questions, hey, listen, we do want more. If you made it this far, we do want more topics. If you guys want to hear from us, why? Because I am extra busy right now with the building and things going on, and so my creativity is waning. And so if you've got some questions that you want, please do um, email them to us and let us know, and we'll get to those as soon as we can. So thank you, guys. We love you. God bless you. Talk to you soon.